0: Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Box. God, I love Box. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama, parade first team All-American, rivals five-star recruit, He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley?
1: I decided to be really extra and buy a TV to have you guys on. That way I could feel like I was in the room with you and the son of a gun is not working. That's
0: okay, okay, Bradley. I'm okay,
1: though. I'm good.
0: I'm calling Bradley out this morning, calling his intro out, and the only thing I could think in my head while I was saying that was, I wish I was there to give him a hug. He looks like he needs a hug today.
1: I know we need it. We need an ember. Oh, I got two emails from carriers that pissed me off this morning. I do need a hug.
0: I understand. Hey, Bradley, I got two Daniel song stories to tell this morning. Okay. Not one, two.
1: Okay.
0: Before we intro our all-star guest today, who I'm extremely excited about having on this podcast today, because I can tell in the two minutes we talked to him before we came on, this is going to be one hell of a podcast first Daniel song story happens this morning. I have been learning and studying in and out burger because apparently they've got it figured out yesterday. I text Bradley at about five o'clock. Now remember guys, I'm doing about 16 things at one time. When I text Bradley, I accidentally text this to a group text with Bradley and Daniel song. And here's what the text said. This is to Bradley. Hey, man. I need you to get the CEO of In and Out Burger on the podcast. Can you do that? Question mark. I wake up this morning, look at my text messages, and Daniel Song has texted back and said, "Yeah, man, I'll start. I'll get started on that right <laughs> away." And I I respond to Daniel and I said, Daniel, I am so sorry that you got that text. I meant to just send that to Bradley, but he was on a group text with Bradley and I both, and I apologize publicly to Daniel for that.
1: I just assumed Daniel knew the guy that knew the girl. I, I was like, I don't know, you know, that is like, okay. So,
0: hey, po- hey, podcast listeners, if you get some random text from me asking <laughs> you to like get Lewis Howes on the podcast, yeah, just know what's going on there that Scott is old and he can't text anymore the right way that's basically what i'm
1: I'm just glad you didn't say something inappropriate that was totally out of context and daniel's like oh my gosh this guy's a psychopath
0: right so here's my second daniel song story tuesday of this week daniel calls me with a business opportunity and i said daniel
1: jim is gonna love this story
0: this is fantastic it was an investment opportunity in an insure tech that will remain nameless
1: seed level doing great things
0: Right, yeah. In fact, Bradley and I are going to talk to him when we get off this podcast this morning. Right, Bradley? We are. And so I say to Daniel, I said, "Hey, listen, Bradley and I, because we have a separate LLC set up and we're business partners. Uh, we a lot of times we'll invest through the uh, the LLC that we have, so we can both invest and, and that kind of thing. You know, just talking through this.
1: So and sometimes I, I, it goes like this: Hey, Scott, we, uh, we're we're doing this exactly. That's okay. exactly
0: right." <laughs> Okay. Where do I need to send the money? So I text Bradley and I said, Hey, Bradley, I got, I got an opportunity. I need to talk to you about when you get a chance, call me. Bradley calls me as I'm pulling in the driveway of my house and I'm walking in the door and I've got the phone up to my ear and my 15 year old son, let me paint the picture for everybody is sitting laying in a lazy boy recliner sideways, watching Netflix lazy as hell. It's like four 30 in the afternoon. I got the phone up to my ear. Bradley and I are talking about this investment opportunity could lead to who knows, could be a multi million dollar opportunity one day. Who knows? And as I'm walking in the door with the phone up to my ear, talking to Bradley, my son, my son raises, turns the volume up on Netflix <laughs> to try to drown me out. And I don't even put the phone on mute, guys. Bradley can hear every bit of this. I take the phone down mid conversation and I say, son, I'm on the phone with one of my business partners talking about something that could be a multi million dollar opportunity that would are pay you, for your
1: inheritance.
0: Are you really turning up the volume on Netflix to try to <laughs> drown me out from talking right now? Is that really what you're doing? And he just has this look on his face like, oh my God. My dad is about to kill me. That's that's the look he has on his face. So then I have to go stand outside in a hundred degree weather to talk to Bradley because I can't even talk in my own house.
1: He was, he was watching Ted Lasso.
0: Yeah. Something real important. Some real important guys. We've got an outstanding show for you today. I am super excited to have our guest on today. He is a rock star. He is an all-star. He's been in the industry for a long time. I love interviewing people like him because he can help us with our mission of this podcast, which is to help you agents row the boat just a little bit closer to the lighthouse. And the lighthouse is living the life that each one of you deserve to live. And I truly believe that. And I hope told him before he came on the podcast today, I said, our job is to help them every time we get on this podcast, just some little nugget that they can take back to their office that maybe changes the whole complexion of their agency. So without further ado, please allow me to give him the introduction that he's always deserved. He was born, raised, and lives in Columbus, Ohio. He is married to the beautiful Susan, and he is a graduate of the Ohio State University for 18 years, from 2003 to 2021, he was the president of Assurix Global, the largest network of truly independent-owned agents and brokers across the globe, 110 firms that generate nearly $30 billion in premium. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you first-time guest on the IGP, and I hope it will not be his last. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Mr.
2: Jim Hackbarth. How are you, Jim? Scott, I'm doing well. Thank you for those nice words. And uh, I'm looking forward to chatting with you and Bradley and what you guys do.
0: Jim, I've got so much more to say, but I've got, you know, we've only got an hour, hour and 15 minutes to talk. But let me let me give these guys some more of your introduction that I, I want to include in here as well, because these are some of the things I want to talk about too. Here's the first thing I love about you. You started as an IBM sales rep, is there anything <laughs> better that an insurance person could start out as a, as an IBM sales rep, because and I know this was a long, long, long time ago, in Fact, yep. I think it was back in the seventies.
2: Yep. Mid-70s. So much
0: great training, so much can teach you so many things that probably helped you years down the line. Let's talk about that for just a second. Talk, t- go back in my DeLorean for a minute and just talk about that and kind of bring us up to today.
2: Well, you know, it was probably when you look back, in, and you guys know, know this, there are certain times in your life that you don't realize that at the time that it's making a big impact on you. I mean, who puts anyone through 18 months of training? 18 months. You're not allowed to sell anything until you go through extensive training. It's sales training. It's industry training. It's learning technology. And I was lucky when I got done through 18 months of training that the available sales patch or territory was insurance. And then you sit in a big bullpen with 30 other sales reps. The guy next to you might've been a sales rep for 30 years. And you're learning through osmosis and training, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, great experience. And I was fortunate and lucky to have landed in the insurance industry. I think I'd share with you, my undergrad out of Ohio State was in insurance, which was weird at the time. I was a phys ed major prior to that, transferred into Ohio State, Um, it was unfortunate. My father died at a very young age, unexpectedly, he was 53 and he was a claims adjuster for Midwest insurance company. Mm -hmm. And the day before he died, he actually drove down to where I was going to college at the time in Athens, Ohio, a school called Ohio university not to be confused with Ohio state. We went to lunch and he said to me, he said, listen, just do me one favor pick up at least one course in business because if this phys ed stuff, being a high school football coach doesn't work for you, you're probably going to be a sales guy. And so just, just take a course four hours later, I got a phone call that he had passed away suddenly. Wow. And you know that a lot of people have been through those things and those things are life changing. I immediately dropped out of school, transferred next quarter into Ohio state, walked into college of business. And they said, uh, I said, listen, I need to take a business course. And uh, the only one I could get into was principles of insurance. Well, whoever goes into insurance on purpose in any part of life, um, unless you you know, walk into a family business or something, something like that. So I took the course. It was the only A I got on my undergrad. At the end of the quarter, the professor came up to me and said, you know, if you'd like to, you ought to consider transferring in to become an insurance major. And I said, absolutely not. I have no desire. And then he said something that was magical. He said, well, there's, there's a fund here. It's called the Griffith Insurance Fund. And we will give money to people that, that show they have a interest in insurance. And at the time, money was very important to me because I was working two part-time jobs to make it through school. And so I did it. And they said, you have to demonstrate that you are sincere. So if you get a part-time job in the insurance industry, that'll help. Went to work for Prudential at night selling life insurance, and the rest is history. I got bit by it, applied after I, after my undergrad to an underwriting job at Nationwide Insurance and also Westfield Center, and they turned me down. Right. They weren't hiring. It was probably the best choice because I'd have been a crappy underwriter. I would have underwritten anything. Fair. And IBM was hiring at the time, and um, I stepped in there, and it was only through pure luck and timing, which most of the time, that's what life's all about, or making sure that you're in the right place at the right time, I was thrown into the insurance patch. Wow. And uh, and it was wonderful. It was a wonderful place to start.
1: When you walked into the principles of insurance class, were you met with a, a bunch of other people who had insomnia and were trying to sleep, or were there people in there who actually wanted to learn it?
2: You know, I'd say it was probably a third of the people really wanted to really wanted to learn it because their family was in the agency or brokerage business. And the other two thirds were just getting a check the box because it was actually in a school of finance. And at the time, you know, it was probably one of the easier courses. And the guy that taught it was one of the authors of a book for the CPCU. And he was absolutely fantastic. And but, you know, I had been around the insurance industry because my dad had been in the claims area for a carrier. And so, you know, uh, I, I knew it enough. I didn't want to be around it.
1: You um, heard some of those claim stories and you're like, oh, yeah, absolutely exactly. not.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I was always told, no, 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 I'm going to go buy a motorcycle. No, you'll never have a motorcycle or I'm going to go jump out of an airplane. No, you're not doing that either. And so I'm thinking, who wants to get involved in an industry where it's full of no's? But uh, anyhow, I've been very fortunate to uh, have uh, started there and ended there. Do do you feel
1: like sometimes I'll see in some of these Facebook groups, somebody will mention a a business strategy, for example, using a virtual assistant or just something super like that's super common. And I'll see a bunch of agents jump in there and everybody's saying every which way you can say is no. You know what I mean? It's like, no, you can't do that because of this. You can't do that because of this. And almost a lot of times every scenario is something so far fetched that there's a less than a 1% chance happening. Why wouldn't you take that risk and and so on and so forth. Do you feel like our industry has a little bit of a, a reputation for saying no and a little bit of culture of that? And we're, because we're in, risk management, so to speak, we're a little bit risk averse, whereas in other industries, business owners would be willing to take those risks and it pay off.
2: You know, I see where you're coming from by that asking that, but it has changed so much in the last 30 years. It was no all the time to change. Yeah. And thank goodness for that next gen, that next gen, which includes you. And I am so energized that when I see the number of young people that are entering this business. I mean, we're talking about people coming right out of college, but I think when you look at that, the interest level of that gen- generation, it matches up purely with what insurance is it's to help other people, to be in their time of need. And you know this because you guys are deep into it. Nothing happens without insurance. Yeah. Nothing. You don't start a church, you don't start a law practice, you don't buy a house, you don't buy a car if you don't have insurance. And I think when you look at where the world is today and young people, and they understand what insurance is about, and you can actually are helping other people. To me, it's an exciting time. And the number of young people I see going into it is encouraging.
1: I'm going to drop a name real quick. Mm-hmm. So I dropped your name two days ago, and I was on a phone, I was on a phone with a couple of friends, and I said I was talking to uh, Kat Turns from yep. our agency. T- Zoom. Not Turnus, Turnus is her last name. Yep. Sorry, Kat. Yep. From agency Zoom. She's actually in my phone as Kat Furnace. That way I know how to pronounce her last name. <laughs> I was talking to Kat and I was like, yeah, we got the former CEO of Surex Global coming on. She's like, oh, Jim, yeah, we go to breakfast all the time. I was like, oh, of course.
2: Well, we do because if a young person in a industry calls me and if I can help them, I'm right there with them. And she is very, very sharp, Uh, very impressed with her. And she pays forward all the time, but that's the business that you guys are in. You're paying forward now. You don't have to be doing this, but you're doing it. Well, I'll tell you something about Kat. That's interesting. And
1: I'm giving her major props here. She is so good at recognizing and training up talent. Mm -hmm. If you look at, if you just name an insurance vendor that is doing good things right now, there's someone at that company that worked for Cat that she trained. That's wow. that's she has placed true. so many people at Wonder, right, Ascend, like all yep. over the place. Yep, and it's really impressive. I really respect people that can. They're not only willing to train people up, but then let them get, kind of go their own way and figure out their own path as well and yep. be
2: supportive of that. It's yep.
1: something that's really lacking in the industry, I
2: think. It's changed a lot, and the trend is heading in that direction. And, and again, what you guys are doing is just one example of many's of how this industry has changed. Yep, Jim, I want to say congratulations
0: today, if I'm not mistaken, today would have been your 19th anniversary Assurance Global. And I know yep. that's uh, probably brought on some feelings this morning about looking at the past and and the, your, your period of over 18 years there as yep. the president and CEO. Talk to these insurance agents today about what you learned leading an organization that had over 115 firms that were part of that. Mm-hmm. The good, the bad, the ugly that you see insurance independent agents do or did while you were there leading that. Talk to them a little bit about what you saw agencies do that were successful while you were there. Because, you know, kind of like a a college baseball uh, coach or team or whatever, you could probably look across the firms that were part of that and go, you know, they're really successful. And I know I can see why.
2: Well, you know, it's a good question. And I was fortunate um, to be exposed to so, so many good firms, firms that were part of assurance, but also the many firms, firms like yourselves that I got to talk to around the globe and you get to see those ingredients. And you're right. It's those two or three things. It's that person that gets up at 5 a.m. in the morning and runs the stadium steps while Mm. everybody else is in bed. Mm. And, you know, there's a couple key ingredients that I saw. One, always be working on the perpetuation of your business model. Mm. Always be working on that. Don't let it lay dormant. And that's you know bringing in new talent. That's spreading the ownership when it's warranted. And today's day and age, the valuations that, and I'm sure you guys get calls every day, the valuations in this industry, staying independent. To me, and I'm such a now that doesn't mean that the investment banking back firms or the publicly traded firms are bad. I'm not saying that, but staying independent as much as you can and taking care of your people. and that's working on the perpetuation of ownership and making sure you got the capital, even if you have to bring in a little bit of outside capital to continue to fund that growth. That means recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. One of the things that I saw is that in this industry, which is really different, is that the agency leaders and owners are never satisfied. And I'm not saying that in a negative way, but always striving to get better. Don't sit on your laurels. And you're always looking for tools of efficiency. And thank goodness, the amount of technology that's hitting your doorstep today that allows you to be more efficient. You take firms like Ascend or a Glovebox or a Bold Penguin and those tools that allowed you to become more efficient. I think the, and something that I've seen happen on probably in the last, more in the last eight to 10 years is the investment that firms of all sizes are making in technology. And if you look at the how technology has changed. Years ago, it was just kind of the back office stuff, the back office accounting. Firms like AMS, which is now Vertifor, and Applied Systems, the two large firms. But back then, there were probably 15 firms out there. And then it evolved to kind of more of the front office. And that's where rating came about. And, you know, the you know the multi-company rating. And that was probably the beginning of the stages of really having front office technology that's going to positively impact your clients. And now we've got a whole new gen- generation of stuff that to me is very, very exciting. The data analytics tools that you can now start scraping data and providing relevant information to your clients, uh, tools that allow you to become more efficient and effective with what you do, client-facing stuff. You're right. I mean, I don't want to be calm agent or broker and pull up my insurance card. I mean, I want to be able to go into a portal and print it down. I had a trigger on my phone today that my boat insurance was uh, due. I know I paid it, but I'm thinking I better get new insurance cards. So, you know, as opposed to calling up my agent, I just went onto the portal, downloaded them, printed them off, put them on my iPhone, ported them to my iPhone, and I'm good, good to go. So that generation, so ownership, looking for efficiencies all the time. Some of that's embedding the right technology. Don't be scared of bringing in the new technology and then, and really using technology as a competitive advantage that's also going to increase your client relationship. I'll tell you something interesting. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yep, no, no, love to hear it, Bradley. I'll tell you Please. something interesting
1: that so I'm in a coastal market. I work with a lot of carriers that are super antiquated, and as yep. you and all of the listeners can imagine, I'm I'm considered a squeaky wheel amongst our our carriers. And I actually got kind of excited because one of the carriers who does tends to not listen to me, we wrote a, a a pretty big policy with this week. So now we're we're higher up on their their radar.
2: <laughs> Funny how that happens, you know. Funny it how that happens. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> So I had an actually an underwriter at that company reach out to me that I'm friends with. And so I had no idea that big policy was you guys, but anyway, so the, when I, when I often talk to carriers agents and vendors about becoming more technologically savvy, I have a point that I make to them. And you know, the industry is getting older. People are retiring. There's young people coming into the industry. The average millennial I think stays at a job 3.8 years. The average Gen Z is 2.6, I believe. Right. Um. Recently, uh, say recently, it was about a year ago. I got an introduction to the chief insurance officer. I think was his title at Apple Computer. And my very first question to him was, "Why the hell does Apple have a chief insurance officer? You're not about to start selling insurance, are you?" Right. And said, no. 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 So his his job, and I asked him to come on the show. He politely declined because he's sort of behind the scenes. His job is to convince insurance carriers and vendors to make their product work on Apple computers. Mm. And the reasoning, and it's not an Apple, I'm not going into an Apple Android argument. It's not that. The reason is because you have these Gen Zers coming into the workforce who have never been on any device that's not an Apple device. Wow. And you are going to put them in front of a computer that's five years old makes weird noises when you turn it on right and is not in the Apple ecosystem that they're used to on this right here. Yep. I'm holding up my phone. And I think that's a perfect analogy to why carriers, vendors, and agencies should bring their business and use as much technology that creates efficiency, not inefficiencies. Cause some technologies people add technology for the sake of adding technology and it creates right. inefficiencies. But yep. Technology like Ascend or glove box that creates efficiency, it's going to hurt your recruiting if you are super antiquated because they can go somewhere else and they're in a technology ecosystem that they're more used to, that they are, that's easier. So that's another way to think about why, and that's what we tell all of our carriers. Like, this is why we need you on Ivans. even though I have my reservations with Ivans, We need you on these platforms. We need you downloading commissions, API, all raters, all that stuff because it's going to ultimately affect the recruiting as a whole. And we've got to start trending in that direction. I'd love to get your thoughts on that.
2: Well, you're spot on. And of course, Apple would be thinking that way. And as going back to the previous uh, question you asked, the whole perpetuation ain't going to work unless you bring in the right kind of people and the young people. You're not going to get them unless you can give them the hammer and the nails and the saw current technology that allow them to do their job. If a firm is not investing into that, then maybe they just ought to start to say, you know, we're, you know, admit it. You're not going to find the right people that your clients want to interact with that are going to use the right social media tools and use the suspecting and prospecting tools, et cetera. And they're not going to have the tools that the, that the client is going to want to see when you go in and start talking about risk management with them and the mm-hmm. insurance. Because your competitors, who may be better funded, are throwing money at it, but you know the big thing is also is once you go down that path, you know it's just you know it's an ongoing investment. You have to train your people to use the tools, right. and even the so-called baby boomers, which may be a couple of years away from retiring, but you know em- they have to embrace it. And so you're spot spot on, and Apple is spot spot on. You you mentioned Ivan's. Uh, I'm I'm a good friend of Reed. In fact, he and I were going back on um, early this this morning at really got to know him when I sat on his board at tech canary and what they did, what he is doing at, at Ivan's they're waking up a sleeping giant. And, uh, I'm very excited with what Reed is doing. And, you know, he's one of those four or five key players in industry that are making a difference from a big picture Mm -hmm. tech knowledge. And you've got some you know, there's probably a couple dozen movers and shakers I've had a chance to work closely with probably a half a dozen to a dozen of them um, in the last couple couple years and and the stuff they're coming out with is just amazing yeah
1: I agree I, you know I've always in, to some degrees even though I, 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 I promote my carriers to get on Ivan's I've always been somewhat of a critic just because there's there's areas that there's always areas for improvement yep. we had Reed on and I've always respected Reed I, I didn't know him in the tech canary days but I knew who he was and I always respected him. So when, he, when they named him CEO, I was like, well, that makes sense. So we interviewed him more as to interview Reed, but also we felt it was our duty to the industry. Here's a company that pretty much touches every part of the industry in some kind of way to interview him. When we came off that interview, I, I think I posted on LinkedIn. I said, hey, as someone who's been an outspoken critic of the way Ivan's is doing some things, I feel really confident that Reed has his hands on the steering wheel. Like he is the guy to turn that place and, and like you said, wake up the, the sleeping giant.
2: Yep. No, I'm excited what they're doing, where they're going. And, and again, that's just part of that next wave of leadership that you guys are all part of that's happening within the industry.
0: Hey, I'll tell you one thing Reed needs to do. A, uh, I won't say better job of, but a, uh, needs to start doing that I think would be helpful if he could get a list of all the independent agency owners out there. And they've probably, they could probably get that pretty easy. And start sending out like a quarterly newsletter to update people on, hey, this is what Ivins is working on to, to come out with. Because I know they've got a lot of great stuff they're working on, but I don't know if he, maybe we need to have him on the podcast well, every uh, six months. I don't know, but I don't know exactly what those things are, you know?
1: Especially pre-read. They yeah. they didn't do a great job of Nothing. communicating all the things that they're, and there's, there's several companies I could say that about. Agency right. Zoom is right. one I could say that about. They don't yep. do an awesome job yep. updating you the new features
0: because I think he even said on our podcast some things that I didn't know yeah. we had access to through Ivans that we could do reports and you know some other things that you know Chris Paradiso always talks about calling or emailing uh, I believe her name's Cal Cal Duran is that correct with Ivans to get mm-hmm. your upload speeds and things right you, you you would be shocked at how many independent agents don't know. all they've got to do is pick up the phone or email her and and five or 10 minutes later she's like yeah your stuff's messed up here's where you need to go to fix it because your download speed and upload
2: speeds are horrible horrible well i think if reed hears that again from you guys that he'll take action to do it and i was excited to hear that he was staying after he sold his company and that he was staying and that applied put him in that role Right. I mean, I was involved 30 years ago and, and I'm almost like Moses. I was on the board of Ivan's way back, way back then. Hi. It was a great move for applied to have bought them. Right. And now that they're waking it up, up the giant, not in a greedy way. And, and, you know, it's not about the greed of making more, more money. Yeah. That's all part of it, but mm-hmm. what they're going to be doing. And Scott, I, I think you are a hundred percent on, they need to start talking more about what's coming and, you know, and, and what's coming down the pipe and how to use it right and yeah could you have enough on your plate show us how to use it how to get out there put it in front of our people get more carriers on it yeah hey i'm, a,
0: I'm gonna help these agents real quick while we're on this podcast because you know action not words right so guys if uh let me see yeah here it is so if you want to check your upload and download speeds for whatever management system you have that's tied to the carriers that do download, I think Bradley has one of those because he has to get, go through Ray Ray's tires and insurance to sell people insurance down on the coast with all the all the carriers he has are all regional. And I haven't heard, but about one of them in my whole life, I've never <laughs> heard of, but her name, she works for Ivans. She's a great person. Her name is Cal Durland and her email address, write this down guys, C- Durland, D-U-R-L-A-N-D, at ivansinsurance.com, and Ivans is spelled I-V-A-N-S.
1: And what you want is you want to get your connection report.
0: Connection report. That's exactly what you need. She's gonna
1: she's gonna t- and you can you can pull it up yourself via the dashboard. But what you're gonna find is basically she's gonna tell you of all the carriers you have that download and then all of the, the different things that they download, because some may download policy, some may download documents, some may do right. commission downloads, all that kind of stuff. It's going to tell you the percentage that you are utilizing versus not mm-hmm. utilizing.
0: Right. And if you've never done that, you're going to be shocked at what yeah. you're missing because what they can, they can help speed that up. They like she can do pull some levers and do some things for you and tell you like, here's how you, Here's how you can get that upload speed. I, I think or can she do it on her end, Brad? I don't
1: remember. I have no idea.
0: I don't know how they do it either. I think you have I, to tell
1: the carrier you want. I think if there's a there's yeah. something a carrier's doing downloading that you're not receiving, you have to reach out to that carrier and be like, hey, we want this. For example, yeah. commission downloads. If you're not uh-huh. downloading commissions into your uh-huh. system, you have uh-huh. no idea how if you have it's it's okay to get away with it if you're a one man or one woman shop, but if you have more than one employee, you are wasting a ton of time. I'm right. not downloading commissions and none of your craps accurate either because Larry Moe and Curly are entering it into your management system.
2: Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> hey, Jim, you said yes, something off the, off the subject of Ivan's and on to something that I guess selfishly, I want to hear more about you. You said something earlier that caught my attention. You said something about staying independent. Now, let me kind of add some context to this a lot of our friends, a lot of my friends and Bradley's friends in the industry have sold. Yep. They had to. Yes. The money that was being offered, you would be insane not to sell your agency. And most of those people are still with the agency for a number of years as part of the buyout agreement. You said stay independent. Tell me your thoughts on M&A right now, And the fact that Bradley and I are at this place in our career, we do get approached. I was on a call last week with somebody that was wanting me to join a bigger group, you know, tell me your thoughts on that and where if you think Bradley and I need to maybe take a harder look at that because it, the, Percentages that are being thrown out are just so much now compared to what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. What tell me your thoughts?
2: Well, the percentages and the multiples, even on the bottom or the bottom line or the top line, uh, they they continue to be year after year at, at an all-time high. Right. And when I say independent, it's just not the ownership model, but it's the leadership model. Right. And I, and I know a lot of firms. I know during my tenure at Assurance Global, at least 50% of the firms turned over. And let's say there's 15 possible suitors that you could consider. If you go down that path, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, make sure you really look underneath the covers of of the hood of the the car you're getting ready to jump into. It's not always about the money, even though the money, in terms of how it could be very impactful on the owners of the firm and your families, people start and build a business and they eventually exit you know and it's not necessarily in today's day moving from one generation to the next of you know but but just look under the hood of the cars and and if you would you know if and when you reach that point i'd be glad just call me i'll be glad to give you my opinion on the two or three or four firms you may want to look at uh, there's also some consultants in the industry that are you know i'm sure you've already heard from them that can guide you but when i say independent it's about the leadership. It's about the mindset. You know, do you, things will change if you sell your firm to a Wall Street firm? No doubt, it'll change. Those who have the gold make make the rules. But there are some out there that leave you in place and allow you to run your business and take care of your employees and be involved in your community, and and will also the benefit give you the capital to continue to invest forward and in bring in the right talent. And so. Um, there's, I'm biased of course, but I've seen it happen over the last eight, 18 years. And sometimes folks will hang around for a, a year or two. And then they say, you know, this ain't for me anymore. The culture's change. It's not for me. And, you know, and the firms you're building and many of your listeners, it's about the culture and, uh, and how do you preserve that? It is a challenge to stay independent it is a real challenge to have the right kind of capital to invest forward. You're getting pressure from the markets to give them more business. Some are trimming what they're paying. And then you got to continue to invest forward into technology, hiring people and hiring and training people is a, it's not a, uh, it's, you know, takes a lot of capital and time and all that. So I, you know, it's one of those things, owner of business, you constantly look at, Um, And you look at it not every five years, but you got to look at it hard every six to 12 months. Well,
1: it's one of those things I called, I'll give you an example about two weeks ago, I called Scott. So our business is at this, this weird inflection point Mm -hmm. where we're kind of pretty much out of startup phase and we're, we're transitioning into more of a a corporate like structure uh, as far as internal goes. And we're, I'm completely bootstrapped, no investors, no. No loans, no debt. And I have a business credit card I pay off every month. That's it. And, and I think Scott is the same way. And I called Scott and I said, Man, you know what everybody talks about? It's like, this is hard. Yep. It's hard. I, yeah, understand, well, right. why hey, take, I understand why people take I why people take investors in, in debt and all that. Like, like it's it's hard. Cause we're at it, this point to where we we need more people than we have, but we can't hire more people than we have. Right.
0: Uh, Bradley, Br- Bradley said something, Jim, in a podcast about six weeks ago that I could not stop thinking about after he said it, because people will say things to me and then it'll just be one or two sentences, but it'll resonate with me so much that I can't get it off my mind. And we we're in the middle of a podcast, just like this. And he said, you know, Scott, we always talk about how hard it is to start a scratch agency. He said, I'm not so sure it's harder for me today than it was when we started scratch. And I started thinking about that and I thought, you know what? He's right. I think it's harder today. Mm -hmm. You know, the, there's the old adage, more money, more problems, right? That's true. I'm telling you, the more I thought about it, I thought, you know what? I think he's right. I think it's tougher once you get 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 employees. And
1: when you're a scratch business, writing more business solves all your problems. It does. When yep. you're more than scratch, writing more business creates more
2: problems. <laughs> right. Right. Well said. It's It's, listen, it is. it's it is a wonderful industry, a great business. But with once the investment bankers woke up and looked at this industry starting about 15 years ago, right. they woke up. They love those renewal dollars. Right. Where else? Do you, where else can you wake up January one? knowing that, I don't know, 85, 90, 95% of last year's dollar is going to be here. Correct. If you're a doctor, it's not going to happen. If you're a lawyer, it's not going to happen. You got to ring the bell January 1, and then you got to invest forward. So when the investment bankers woke up and saw this industry, they kind of skewed it then. And that's what drove up the multiples. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It just takes a lot of discipline and a lot of help from outsiders at times. And so- and again, if and when you guys ever reach that point, I'd love to, you know, help you any way I can. I mean, just to give you some inside advice and some of the things that I've seen, and to stay independent. And you don't always have to give up equity control. Right. There are, as they say over in London, there are schemes out there where you want to bring in additional out, outside capital, and it might be fifteen to twenty percent of the ownership, right. and and that you infuse that capital, and now all of a sudden you go hire another two or three producers or buy that right kind of technology that you want to put in and and then have on a full-time training manager could you imagine that in your firms having a full-time training manager how that would alleviate
1: that's my north star that i literally woke up this morning and was like and and i thought about it more than just today i'm like that's where i'm trying to get to where my business has the revenue where it makes sense
2: to hire a training manager because i hate
1: freaking doing it no not like
2: doing it at all it's hard it doesn't yeah. leverage your skill sets as leaders of your firms and and uh, the things that that have gotten you to where you are today right I, I you
1: mentioned london i'll tell you something funny you'll like this so you guys listen to this this is i don't know what the date is july 14th the weather i think for the past few days and the next 5 days in london is is phenomenal for this time of year in yep. fact i was just over there uh, last week i was in london and it was it was great and somebody said something, to, this isn't the exact wording, something to the effect of if you need to get stuff pushed through in London, this is the week to do it because all the underwriters are in great moods because it's good weather.
2: That's right. It's like, about Brad, right. Brad, were you over there for pleasure or business?
1: I would love to tell you that I was over there for business to visit Lloyd's, but I was over there on a vacation.
2: Have you ever had a chance to visit Lloyd's?
1: Uh, Scott and I are going hopefully next year. Have I've never had a chance
2: fantastic it'll be one of the most exciting experiences it's like being on the new york stock exchange floor yeah it's it's incredible it is mecca so
0: hey jim i want to i have never had a podcast guest on this podcast at a more perfect time than having you on here today and i'm going to tell you why so every six months i come up with a topic that it's all I think about all the time. It just encompasses. It just engulfs me. And for the last six months, that's been leadership. And I've gone out and talked to and done, uh, leadership talks all over the U S at different insurance conferences and had a really good time doing that and meeting people. And then today you're on the podcast and I've just come up with a new topic that is now just all over me that I'm trying to kind of get my arms around. And I think the reason I've I've been thinking a lot about this is our agency is also in a transition period where we've gone from that small boutique agency to growing uh, large enough to have lots of employees and people selling insurance and human yep. resource problems and those types of things. And so my newest topic And this is why it's so perfect to have you on here today. And I want you to speak to these agents about this. And Bradley mentioned it earlier. When you start a scratch insurance agency as an independent or, or a captive care uh, agency, it's just you and you're, you're cleaning toilets and you're doing the service work and you're selling and Maybe you've got one person that's helping you out in the office, something like that. But my topic, the newest topic that I have that is now just all over me is how every single business in america does not i'm not talking about just insurance i'm talking about every single business in america starts out what i call simple yep you know we've all seen the picture of jeff bezos with nearly a a bald head (laughs) you know uh sitting at that little desk at amazon no no muscles yet yeah he was the, the little skinny nerdy guy with the suit on yep well Naturally, every business that grows, especially one that's grown the way that Amazon has grown, goes from simple to complex. And my newest topic of conversation, and I do try to change this up every six months, is how can we as leaders that take a business that started simple and is now growing in the the, the complexity factor, we know that's just a natural maturation. Businesses are going to get more complex the bigger you get. Yep. How do you keep the processes and the, every single thing you do in that business, or in this case, agency, dumb it down and keep it simple so that you're not, you don't get so complex that the wheels start falling off? And the reason I think you're the perfect guest for this for 18 years, you were the president and CEO, and you had to have seen this firsthand during the course of your leadership assurex global. Yep. How did you manage that? How did you, how did you try to keep things simple enough that the wheels didn't just fall off the wagon because everything got so complex?
2: Well, Scott, I, I kind of learned that if I, you know, I just from an industry perspective and having had the opportunity to meet and work alongside some very successful people, because I wanted to kind of boil it down to say what are those two or three things. And it's really pretty simple. And it's, and, but it's hard to do. And because it takes time, right. You as leaders, any leader, I don't care if you're the CEO of a major insurance company or if you're launching um, a new high tech or leading an agency or whatever, you got to take care of yourself mentally Mm. and physically. I hope y'all are writing this down because I got to tell you, and it's, while I'm not in the best physical shape, I can run with the best of them if I have, but, you know, there was a time I was, I was flying back and forth to Europe once a week, you know, and then making a home for a kid's uh, football game or baseball game or whatever, because that's, that's important. And when I say mentally and physically, mentally, making sure that you keep balance in your life. It is so easy to work 80 hours a week. And to wear yourself out, but making sure you're spending time with your family and your loved ones and your friends and you're taking time to relax using some of the tools that are out there, right? Meditation tools and different things like that, or get involved with your faith, whatever, whatever moves you. It doesn't, you know, but mentally make sure you're calling time out. It's really hard to do. One of the things that I observed with a lot of our firms. Well, they'll actually, I mean, you'll it on your calendar. I've got to work out three days a week. Right. You know, you could do, it could be running or, you know, hitting the Peloton or doing yoga or whatever it might be, but just staying and trying to keep your physical health because you're running at a horrific pace. Right. And if you take care of those two things, from what, I, from what I've seen from a lot of the leaders I've had a chance to work with around the world. It sounds simple, but to put that into place, you take care of those things. The rest will take care of itself. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't think it's a magic thing. It's hard to do because it takes time. And how do you balance? Right. Well, if you just look at like
1: eating right. Yes. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it just in general, it's so hard. But then when you combine that with working a ton of hours or being on the road, You know, my buddy Brian Hanley and I were talking one day about how hard it is being out on the road just in all different things. And I was in in a town doing something and it's like the only thing available is like Wendy's. It's like it's it's so freaking hard to to eat well when you're on the road to to get your workout in to, you know, you meet people and they want to go out for beers and that sort of thing. You know what I mean? It's I totally agree.
0: Well, and, and more, and more than just that. And that is, that is wildly important. We're about to have secret time and I haven't had secret time very often lately. And I'm not going to start crying. Trust tree. I'm not going to start crying, but I think our podcast listeners need to hear this. I've said this a couple of times in different events. I've said this, my lack of understanding of what Jim just said cost me my first marriage. Sure. It's the reason, it's the reason why I only get to see my son two weeks out of four. Right. Right. And you know, there's somebody out there listening to this right now that that resonates with, because it is so easy. The first five years that you're building an agency, which Bradley smack dab in the middle of right now, he's been I think 2019 was the, was your opening of the independent agency. Mm -hmm. If you're not careful, if you're not careful. It's going to get away from you. And what I mean by get away from you is your family. You're working yeah. six days a week. I remember, I remember with my first marriage, I had her, you know, our friends would call me on Saturday and be like, why aren't you out here at the lake? Your wife's out here with your son. Where are you at? And I'd be like, man, I got to work. I, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't go to the lake and I'll take it one step further. And there's a lot of people on this podcast listening right now that need to hear this. Yep. I, ha- I had somebody, he was about Jim's age tell me this years ago and i want everybody to hear this this is secret time guys y'all all all need to hear this and don't ever forget i said this and i'm speaking to some some friends of mine right now too that are in the industry that need to hear this you've got to be extremely careful with alcohol because a buddy of mine again about jim's age he he pulled me aside years ago i was in my early 30s and he said scott i'm gonna tell you something And don't ever forget, I said this, he said, one thing you have to be careful of as you get older and you have a bigger business and you have lots of stress and anxiety is you have to be careful not to fall into the habit of going home. Doesn't matter what time you get home, six seven four thirty 30, whatever time it is and pouring a drink of say whiskey on ice or having a cocktail could be a vodka tonic, whatever yep. it is, and having a drink. And he said, the reason you have to be very careful, I know that takes the edge off. I know it does because I have been there before, but he said, what happens is over time, not, not a week or two, but over years, that one drink turns into three drinks, turns into six drinks And then by the time you're about 65 or 70, you're a functioning alcoholic.
2: That's exactly right. Great advice. That's very true.
0: And, and I have seen that. I have friends of mine that have now retired that I see very rarely that now they basically wake up about 12, one o'clock in the afternoon, they start drinking. Yep. And I don't know that they could stop if they wanted to, because they've been doing this shit for 20 or 30 years now. Yep. And Jim, you probably know people like that.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm at that generation going into my chap- chapter two that you see a lot of it, which is, you know, I am my golf? golf? Yeah, I play golf one day a week, but I, I'm busy. I'm busy sitting on boards. It keeps me right. mentally challenged. Um, you know, I sit on about three or four in, in short sure tech boards, a couple of nonprofits. But you got to stay even – I don't care what chapter of life you're on. Keep your mental aspect of your life as sharp as you can. Right. And, again – it's, um, you know, I learned that of some of that from a fellow that he's a good friend. His name's Bill Jetron. Bill is now president of MMA, Marsh Mac Agency. Uh, his firm in Minneapolis used to be part of AssureX. And um, I learned a lot from Bill because Bill would really make sure that mentally he was staying sharp. People that really get to people that know me, know me well, that, you know, if you were to look at me, you'd say, I can't believe he does. He's been doing yoga for 20 years, a right. couple days a week. I have a meditation practice that I follow. There's a couple of great apps out there, waking up or breathe and spend 15 to 20 minutes by yourself some period of the day. I don't care if you have to get up at four 30, clear your head, get rid of the cob cobwebs, keep that vision thing uh, where it needs to be. Take care of your family. Scott, we've all learned, we've all, you know, we've all had those challenges in life. It may lead to divorce or regrets, but, you know, look ahead and don't look back and use and make sure that mentally you're staying, you're, you're keeping your head tuned up. You know, the thing about the young generation that's coming into the insurance industry or any industry at point in time, you know, and it's about time that people talk about mental health and taking care of your mental health and the mental health of your employees and giving them the tools and, and to help them and, and all that. And then physically to, to carve out that time where, you know, I don't care if you do 20 minutes a day or two, two, two hours a day, but find that time. And right. Bradley, you talked about, it. it's so easy to drive by the golden arches or in and out and say, uh-huh. you know, you know, I, I, I skipped breakfast and it's now two 30. I'm hungry. I'm just going to drive through and I don't order one cheeseburger. Maybe I'll order three because I'm really hungry. And I and I skip breakfast, and before you know it, then you go get your annual blood work, and the doctor looks at you. I'll give you a true story. It was probably starting about ten years ago, maybe twelve years ago. I was doing an all—I started doing an all-day annual physical. I'm talking all day, Um, every test imaginable. And I remember the doctor asked me to fill out some paperwork before we met, and he says, "What are your goals?" I said, "Well, I've got three daughters. I want to." And at the time I was probably 54. I said, I want to walk every daughter down the aisle. That's one of my objectives. And after all day, he came in with a book full of data. And he said, I got some good news for you. You'll be able to walk every daughter down the aisle as long as you do it sometime within the next eight years, because you are on a path to have a, you're going to, this is where your numbers are trending. If you don't get right. those under control. So when you reach that chapter, I it could be in your forties or fifties or whatever, Cause you know, I mean, there are certain people that just, they, they don't make it and they get into the circle of bad habits Right, and then one thing leads to another, then you get sloppy running your business and then your relationships fall apart. Uh, people leave your firm and, and uh, all, all, all that. So that may be more information than what you wanted to hear from me, but that's, those are, comes down to the two things you take care of those things. A lot of other things start to take care of themselves.
0: Well, not only that, but with a business as big as the one that you were running, Mm -hmm. You know, one thing you see when businesses get bigger, larger, more people, human resources, board members, board of
1: directors, right? Right. A lot of people relying on you.
0: Well, that, that plus, you know, you go back to complexity and business just naturally, as it grows, becomes more complex. You get to this point where decisions take time. Lots of time. If you're a middle manager, a a C-level executive at Nationwide Insurance, Travelers Insurance, somewhere like that, and let's say you've got a great idea. And it it really is. It's a fantastic idea that would help everybody. Well, you can't just take that to Scott Howell and go, hey, man, I got this great idea. I think we need to implement it because I'm going to say, let's go. Let's do it. Yep. You work for somebody like that. And again, business gets more and more complex as it gets bigger. Well, now that decision goes up to their manager. That guy goes to somebody else. Maybe they talk about it in a board meeting. And six months later, maybe it comes back downhill to you that we're going to think about it, but it's going to take a couple of years. Yep. That That's the problem. That's the complexity part of this that I'm talking about as well as decisions. Just it seems like that's that small snowball turns into a big rock that you're rolling uphill uh as you get bigger
2: well when you get bigger it gets more complicated one of the other things that i get you know was fun watching is as firms would grow don't hesitate to hire people better than you uh-huh. and then hand it off right one of my joys in life especially when i was leaving a Shurex, was my heir apparent um he actually was a, a a Shurex global firm at one point in time in his life and then the he was in uh Minneapolis too, and they sold. And I was fortunate enough a couple of years ago, we stayed friends to uh, bring him in to be my heir apparent. Dean Hildebrand's his name. Dean is probably 10 times smarter than me, but I'm not, that's not saying a lot. I'm not the brightest bulb in a box, but to be able to hand off things. And I, it's one of the things I figured out a long time ago. And I learned it from uh, other people. And especially when I was in the Technology size business, hire people better than yourself, Mm. even if you have to pay them more. Right, um, and and what it allows you to do. But you got to reach to that point where you have enough capital, and you might have to bring in outside capital, you know, a little bit to in order to scale. But you stay the captain of the ship and stay in a leadership role. You set the culture, you set the pace. Everyone watches you more than people think. Yep. They watch every move you make.
0: I think about that every day. In fact, I just told my son that two nights ago he had baseball practice till nine o'clock. Right. It's nighttime. Nobody on the road. We were going back home. And I said, we were talking about his, some of his friends that had been making some bad decisions, been running around with older kids. He's 15. Some of his friends running around with 17, 18 year olds. Yep. And I said, son, I need to tell you something. And I want you to always remember that I said this, I said, I know that you're going to make some bad decisions. I know that because you, you came from my loins and I made some horrible, horrible decisions. And when yeah. I was a, a teenager, yep. but I said, I need you to, I need to tell you something that my dad never bothered to tell me. And it's very important to me. And I want you to listen to what I'm saying. I said, every time you go out to a field party or you go drinking with your friends when you get older, cause it's going to happen. And if you don't think it is, you've lost your damn mind. You represent our family, Yep. You represent me and you represent your mama and all the other people that love you. You represent those people and you need to remember that before you go make some horrible decision that could not only affect you, but it could affect everybody in our family. Yep, and great. I don't know. I don't know how I got off on that tangent, but it just <laughs> sounded like that's where we were going with that. But, but
2: Scott, that's great advice. But it also, I think, I've seen that happen. And I think you guys probably do the same. It's the same conversation you have with your employees, right? And because it's a family, you take care of each other. Yep. And uh, just think twice before you might decide to say something to a client that you shouldn't say, or
0: or, po- or post some inappropriate picture on oh, Facebook or or absolutely. whatever.
2: Oh, and that's a whole other topic. I mean, yeah. the things that sometimes people post up on Facebook or Instagram or right. whatever, it's like, oh my gosh, just be careful. Yeah, um, right. and I'm, I'm a big fan of it, but just be careful. It's like, you know, putting a hammer and a saw in the wrong hands, you get that to someone that's two years old, nothing good's going to happen. Right. Yeah.
0: Hey, Jim, I've got one final question unless Bradley's got one for you that he wants to ask before we get off this podcast. You've been in this a long time. You've got lots of relationships with people in this industry. You've seen a lot. You've seen the progression of where we were versus where we are today. You know the environment that we're in, both economically and the insurance environment that we're in right now. Yep. Where do you see, and I'm not going to put a timeline on this relative to, five years, 10 years, 15 years, but the future of insurance and what these agents listening to this can expect that are in their, let's say thirties, forties, maybe they've got a couple million dollars in premium on the books, 10 million, somewhere in that range. What can they expect over the next, uh, I don't know. Again, I hate to put a timeline on it, but just the future of insurance for them as they move forward in their career.
2: Well, I'll put a timeline. You know, let's say the next three to five years. Looking out past that, you're, you know, it's too uncertain, especially given the economy and everything that's going on in the world today and all right. these other kind of things. But you're going to see more technology that's going to be coming out that you want to embrace. And a lot of it's being driven from the agents agency broker, broker world. You look at the power of data. We've only scratched the surface as an industry on what the knowledge you can gain from harvesting data. And I've been privileged to see and be involved with uh, some of those companies that are using data and providing it to agents and brokers or show you how to use it to put a benchmarking report or whatever in front of your clients uh, when they say, well, how come I need to buy this kind of insurance, et cetera, et cetera, or to do the data mining inside your own systems or to select your carriers who are going to embrace technology with you so that you can give the right kind of service to your clients, but also your employees are productive and are leading happy, happy lives. So I think you're going to see data analytics as we know it today to go to the next chapter. It's going to be more relevant with your client relationships. Been fortunate enough, uh, um, I serve on the board of a company called Enable. And what Kabir Sayad did with Risk Match, he sold it to Vertifor, and then after he left after a couple of years. And the firm he's, um, he's launching now is absolutely incredible and the power of data. And you don't have to be a big mega firm to embrace and harvest data. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be important. Everyone throws artificial intelligence around, uh, you know, all the time. I think you'll see some more of that. And it's not locked at the big firms or at the carriers. It's going to come down through the pipes of Ivans and things like that. You talked about Ivans earlier. Think the amount, just think the amount of data that runs through those pipes. Yeah. And uh, what can be done to harvest that data? And it's not to use that data, you know, to turn against the carriers, but it's to how do you enrich the client relationship and engage your client and show them things about their business that otherwise that they may not know. Now you're that value-added, trusted advisor that's not, gonna go, that's not gonna go away. So I think you're gonna continue to see a lot of changes. I know you guys know Andrew Wynn at Ascend, but those guys are doing, when you talk about it fast, it sounds simple, but the impact that that's having on the efficiencies of firm premium financing collection and getting the money that's owed, mm-hmm. it's, it's incredible. And we're just have no go, idea.
1: Like, even oh. if you, even if you have an idea, you have no idea,
0: dude, I, yeah. I I'm telling y'all both when they get this thing dialed in yeah. where you no longer, even if it's an agency billed account, yep, it turns into immediately a direct bill account. Yep. That is mind blowing. Like that's going to be, and I think that's something that they're going to probably have ready in at least the next six to 12 months.
1: Uh, plus it's that, 90 that, it's 90 there now oh i it know is. i know it's getting to the adoption level right and all the the vendor partners and management system that, partners there won't be, and that there sort won't of be thing. nobody there won't be
0: nobody especially if you ride a bunch of the vns type business or uh use you know mga brokers for uh agency build which a ton mm-hmm. of agencies do that's probably half of our business
2: now well uh, and think of the impact game, that that has yeah game's over then game's over yep up a couple of FTEs that you can put in different types of role, Bradley, that's an FTE that could be a, a training manager or whatever, and the efficiencies. And again, going back to the data thing, uh, make we're on, I think we're on our third gen- generation of data analytical tools. And again, you don't have to be a data scientist. These are tools where they're generating the reports, so you're going out and calling that client, and then you can make key decisions on behalf of your client because that's what they're paying you for. And you can show them why you need this kind of coverage, et cetera, et cetera. And again, there's a lot of them out there. I've been a, I've been very impressed with what enables building. I think Ivens has got some stuff coming. Um, and there's room for everybody in the same sandbox. And so, anyhow, that's those are my thoughts.
0: Bradley, you got anything you'd like to add to that?
1: I can't follow that, man. I'll let you close this out.
0: Jim, it was a blessing to have you on the show today. I'm going to get your contact information from Bradley. Uh, I want to stay in touch with you because just got a lot to talk about.
2: <laughs> hey, Scott, Brad, I applaud what you're doing. I love helping others. Um, I'm in that chapter life of paying forward is important. We, we are, we're there every day, but when you're fortunate to be in the spot, I am, it's all part of life. I love what you do. I applaud what you do. It takes time, but it's a reflection of what makes agents and brokers special. Love you guys. Don't hesitate to get a hold of me if I can be of any help to at, at any time. All righty. I appreciate that. Thank you. Great.
0: As I end every podcast, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Stop running TPS reports. Make sure you take care of your health. Go to the doctor, uh, work out every day, do something to 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 help your mind mentally. Outside of insurance, because that's all we think about in the insurance business, especially if you're an agency owner or a staff member, we just think about insurance all day long, unlike everybody else out in the big, bad world, but take care of yourself. Make sure you're getting sleep, make sure you're working out, make sure you're doing all those things that keep you refreshed and you don't get burned out as quickly if that happens. So go make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband, for your kids, college fund you make money for your parents out there that are struggling and need help. You cannot give back the way that you need and want to give back unless you're making money. That I'm sorry, I wish it didn't have to be that way, but it just is. Go write good business for the agencies that you represent and go write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love
1: you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Jim.
0: Well said. Jim. Thanks, gentlemen. Be well. Jim, Bye-bye. we love you too. Love Guys, you, man. You are listening to the insurance guys podcast, and we'll see you back here real soon. And we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family. We'll talk back real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. And thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.